What's up, guys? It's Shana, and welcome back to the Ehang Podcast. And today we will answer a question. This is from Arvin. Hi, I am Arvin, 26, currently waiting for my housemanship placement in a government hospital. I've gotten into investing and managing personal finances after the turbulent COVID phase and also family problems, which made me realize how important financial freedom is. Which is the same time I started listening to your podcast on Spotify. It's truly remarkable what you have done for all those who wanted guidance on how to invest in real estate. Net salary for houseman is four thousand to four thousand five, and goes up from there as we progress through the hierarchy. And also, there are options to go private after two years of compulsory service. Currently, my financial situation is zero savings, relying on public transport and working part time in a luxury retail store. The pay is way better compared to what they pay in clinics. I am. Planning to set up my emergency fund and also looking for used car with the lowest money instalment. I also have insurance. I am currently staying with my parents, and given that we could be thrown into any random state for work, buying a home for my own state is not part of my plan in the near future. My questions are: Number one, given doctors' duration of studying and their salary. Do you think they could be an alternative strategy, as in increasing the number of properties we buy, etc.? Number two, I was thinking of buying a property for investment, rental income, but turning into an own state if the circumstances are right. What do you think are the factors I should consider in this case? Number three, would you recommend REITs as an alternative to real estate? Number four, I am feeling a bit behind given that I am 26 and now only going to work and invest from now onwards. Any extra advice of words of wisdom will be highly appreciated. Thank you so much again, Sean. Keep on inspiring. P.S. Sorry for the lengthy email. Yours is fine. <laughs> Your email is fine. Anyway, thank you very much, Arvin, for sending in the email. I really appreciate it. So. We have a doctor on the way, 26 years old, and I think the question is、uh, pretty straightforward. I guess let's just go straight into it, right? So the first question: Given doctors' duration of studying and their salary, do you think there could be an alternative strategy in increasing the number of properties we buy? Okay, I think as we talk about property investment a lot, right? A lot of people talking about which property do we buy, or where, or which location is the hot one. How do you refinance? How do you buy more, right? Ultimately, it all falls down to active income and credibility. That's the two main crucial and enabler for any person to start investing in properties. So, if you guys look at a person with a lot of properties, very seldom the salary is still at 10k. It's usually at 15k, 20k, at least when you have like a substantial amount, like seven to eight properties, right? So that's going to be their amount of income already. They are not very particular about the nitty gritty things. Like if you ask them, like what's the maintenance fee for a project, they wouldn't know much. What's the renovation like? They wouldn't care much. And that's a path for every investor actually. An understanding I realized last year was that's a main difference in mindset between a home buyer versus a property investor. And this is very evident when I was in Singapore. You know, everyone just buy property for their own stay, and just so happen the government is good, the currency is good, everything is good. That's why they made money. Suddenly they call themselves property investors, which I 
somewhat only disagree, like maybe half correct, because they are in a country where the regulations is just anti-property investment. So they do not encourage property investment at all. If you buy your second property as a resident, you need to pay 20% extra stamp duty. If you're a PR, it's 25. So if you want, as a foreigner, if you want to buy extra property, you need to pay 60%. It just discourages property to be used as an investment tool. It's meant to be a home for people to live in. Right? In Malaysia, then it's very different. Especially if you are in the commercial space where you buy shop lots, uh, offices, uh, retail, smalls, uh, industrial uh, land, uh, this kind of thing, right? It's purely to make money. And the mindset like now, we are still currently having, we are actually leveraging on a lot of incentives from the government to buy residential products to make money. So that's a clear difference here. But to your case, right? I would suggest not to be so kanjong because I felt the kanjongness in your email. Within the investment group, there are several doctors I know and all of them started as a houseman because it's a fixed path. Ma. My suggestion is not to worry. As long as you will have money, let's say the monthly income of 30,000 or 20,000 comes later, whether you are 36 or you are 46, right? You can start investing when you're 46. Right? Because ultimately, property investment to me is not a money-making tool. It's a wealth diversification tool, which means when your salary goes up to 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. Instead of going into a continental car, put 2,000 a month as a buffer for an apartment that generates you cash flow. Then when you earn up to 10,000 a month, then you can get two or three. Then when you earn up to 20,000, then you can get more or you can get bigger loan amounts to have a different asset group all together that generates you cash flow. And this process actually, there's no point in rushing. It means that you cannot rush to get paid higher, but you can actually rush the learning process. Like the fact that you are now listening to the podcast, right? Sometimes I really think, right, the podcast is really very, very dry. There's not much entertainment elements, no special music. It's just me and you with some traffic noise and fan noise. So what I'm trying to say is the fact that you guys are listening to this, right, mindset is already different and that's a good start. So moving forward while striving and sticking to your path in, in honoring the skill sets required to be a great doctor and serve the country, serve the people, then get paid for it, right? Be very mindful as you develop wealth also. The most fearful thing here to me is that like you deserve it when people want to spend crazy money, right? Oh, you deserve it. You absolutely deserve the break. You can go holiday. You can, you can get that car. You get that shoe. You totally deserve it. You worked very hard. You know what's better than the thing? To acquire something that generates you cash flow. So the problem here is that when people strive to get higher salary, unfortunately, they will start upgrading their lifestyle too ending up nothing in the bank. That's when your salary is 3,000, your lifestyle is this. Okay, while well, you survive one, right? Then when it's 5,000, AY suddenly, you need to eat better, right? You need to sit better car. Then your salary is 8,000, oh, now this level is not hygienic. This one, no style. I cannot see people in this car. All these standards starts coming and creeping into our mind. And this would then be the discipline. 
to spend things that you need. So before you get that first property, right, you will have this extra money, learn how to save and learn how to invest in small amounts. Like I would suggest you to start venturing into stock market, buy some blue chips, la, buy some bank stocks, la, dividend based, right? and you can actually search online, right? Highest dividend paid counters in Malaysia and all are there. They are way better than FDs. Then maybe some in FDs and you learn along the way. So you're not straight away want to go for a property. You can actually start small. So all I'm saying, don't rush the process of getting rich and getting a property, but be proactive in the learning curve, in the learning process, then be mindful and have awareness on the lifestyle expenditure. A lot of people actually get stuck there. And that's what Robert Kiyosaki writes as the red race. Sometimes when people get promoted, right? They actually have bigger debts. Suddenly because of the promotion, they upgrade their house, they upgrade their car, upgrade their everything. End up the saving become less because they actually spend more. Then what's the point of working more then? You get what I mean? Question number two, buying a property for investment but turn it into a own stay if the circumstances are right. But as you mentioned just now, uh, it's okay if you want to think that this one I buy for own stay first, but in the meantime, I will rent out. Uh, these kind of properties usually will not generate the best ROI because investment properties and own stay properties actually have different, very distinct difference in quality because like what do we deem a very high ROI property? is Those projects are usually located within locations that has high job opportunities like Bangsa South, Mong Kiara, KL Central, KLCC. Then besides that, we will have accessibility, right? Convenience. It must be very close to shops, malls, MRT tracks, highways, and things like that. But we want to buy a home for our own stay. It's best that it's next to a golf course, next to a lake, surrounded by a mountain. Shh, quiet. No one will come in low density, right? But in the active area where there's a lot of people only you will have high demand for space. For low density, high-end projects, right? Who's gonna rent? Because people will only be there provided they want to stay. So if they want to stay, they will do the calculation. Why should I pay rent when I can buy? Then they will buy. So this also explains why there are people who are willing to pay rent higher than the money installment. In places where the demand for space is temporary, which means that once you are posted over to KL to work, usually it's like two to three years, right? Does it make sense to buy? No ma. That's why they will just need the space for two to three years. That's about it. Then they will shift. Then the next guy come in, they will take over the space. That's why the rental rates are high. The extreme version of an example will be like hotels. You are paying three to five hundred ringgit per night of a hotel, right? But does it make sense for you to buy the unit for three hundred to five hundred thousand? I mean for the room lah. It doesn't make sense because you only need it for two days or three days a year. I should just pay daily rent on it. So in my case, I think you don't need to rush again. You are 26. When you really need a home, then only we start thinking about it. Let's say, okay, now I met the love of my life. We are going to start a family. Like start a family, meaning getting married and have kids. Having kids is a crucial indicator or reasoning to get a home. Because the entire moving process with a kid or the process of growing up for the kid highly relies on a building, a home, a place, a setting, right? That's when only I think it needs to be really deeply thought through. I will focus to get investment properties first until when you really need a house, you cannot wait, just rent one first lah. 
Plus, they are usually cheaper because there's no temporary demand for big homes. So a classic example I always use is the rental for my unit in Mong Kiara for 800 square feet or 890 square feet. It's, it's 5,000 a month. But with 5,000 a month, I can actually rent a semi-D in residential focused locations. Many may think then like, why won't you just rent a semi-D instead? Why you want to rent in a place in Mong Kiara, so congested, so busy, so noisy? It's close to their workplace. It's convenient. Go downstairs, got more. Go downstairs, got entertainment. And I'm living by myself. So I don't need that much of space. And I'll do the cleaning only. But if you're trying to start a family, you need space, then you can always get more space. But these locations then will be at the suburbs, not really city, city center. Two different profiles. So to me, don't worry too much. If possible, always invest, invest, invest first. And that actually matches your job profile because you get posted everywhere. So not later, you'll get very used to renting also. And you'll get job opportunities like new branches of hospital or your services is so good, you are actually transferred over to new hospitals or whatsoever. In that uncertain lifestyle, why settle down for one? But the investment properties, even if you are posted overseas, right, you can still collect rental one, man. There are a lot of property investment companies in Malaysia that can help you manage your properties. You can see even invest in properties while being in somewhere else. But the consideration of buying an own stay but rent out first, right? I think it's a bit wasted at your age. Question number three. <coughs> Question number three. Would you recommend REITs as an alternative to real estate? Uh, a lot of people may not know this. Uh, I have a master's degree in real estate and my research paper is actually on REITs and the right answer to this is it's not a real estate alternative it's a stock alternative and the main reason is it behaves more like a stock than an actual real estate the only quality that is similar to real estate is the boring side of things for yield so when the yield of the business which is rental business right so usually you will have hospitals it runs on agriculture land industrial lots or offices the return needs to be consistent for it to be categorized as an income within the REITs business and that's how they can generate higher dividend for shareholders but that will be a cap in your stock prices. So to me, if I want to invest in stocks, I will not go for REITs. I will go for something a little bit more volatile, but with the possibility of higher returns in the stock price. And the main difference between REITs and real estate will be the management of course, the ease of entry of course, the cost of entry because you can go in in fraction means that you don't buy 500 units of stock, you don't buy one lot of stock. You can buy, right, based on how much you have. And the yield is all transparent now, it's around 4.8 to 5% a year. But the main thing for me to go into real estate Main, main thing is still the leverage and that's the main difference. A lot of people think that, oh, 5% in REITs is the same with 5% in ROI. Ma. Technically, it should be the same. Ma. For example, let's say we have 50,000 to invest, right? 50,000 I buy a lot of shares in a REITs company, right? Let's say 5% a year in yield, I will get 2,005, which is considered okay, la, at least around our FD rates. And there will be a slight change, maybe a little bit of rise, maybe you can also have possibility of dropping for the share price. Then for this side, the 50,000, let's say we invest into a sub-sale project, which is around 360 to 400,000. Let's say for ease of calculation, we take 400,000. Okay, 400,000 property, we put in 50,000 as 
the budget to go in. 400,000, we take 360,000 loan. 360,000 loan then per month is around 1,600 plus minus a month in terms of monthly commitments. And let's say if we rent out for the property is around 1,600 and just assume that the installment and the rental cover each other, right? So 1006 a month is actually returns already. For a year, it's 19,200 already. And that's way more than the yield that you get from REITs already. Then fine, a lot of people then don't recognize this because like it's money in, that one, right? I sit there, confirm God, you know, confirm God. This one, sometimes God, sometimes don't have like, sometimes tenant child whatsoever, but let's assume, right? You don't go so high in rental steadily, you will get 19,200 in terms of rental income. And that just covers the installment every month, which includes your principal and interest. But what about maintenance, right? So let's say maintenance per month is like 300. So 300 a year is 3,006. So that is something that you need to fork out every month. Then you include some utilities, let's say 400 a month. So it takes you around 4,800 a year to maintain this property that brings you the rental returns of 19,000 a year. And this is where it gets interesting. A lot of people think like, hey, I still need to cough out money, like a lot of money, like hello. But let's say like if you go into the housing price index of Malaysia for the past decade, right? Our year-on-year -year return for every property, it's around 4% a year. So let's say 400,000 for your property. Just for ease of calculation, again, very conservatively increase 10% five years later. 10% five years later, which is 440,000. There you make 40,000 already, okay? But your installment amount is still the same. What do you think about rental? Can go up or not? Then you can fully furnish the unit. You can rent out room by room to the unit. You can do a lot of things to actually boost up the attractiveness of the unit. And the best thing is I get absolute control whether I want to buy or not in the first place. And this is assuming it's a sub-sale, right? Only when I see currently at an existing project where the rent is around 1,000, 4,005 for a bare unit, then if I were to furnish up nicely, maybe I can go up further. And based on our portfolio, my portfolio, rental has increased year on year from last year, it's around 20 over percent. So the returns here, based on the REITs, right? Of course, there are a lot more work to do, a lot more uncertainty, and people associate uncertainty with risk. But the risk here ties back to point number one that you mentioned, right? It ties back to the active income. If your monthly income is 10,000, right? What is 400 a month? Where it allows me to win big later, where 10 years later, right? Let's say the property price increased 20%. You can then do refinance, get man's money and do all over again. And when we consider the cash on cash return, it's going to be way more than just REITs returns. 5% a year is meh. But of course, this is not for everybody. The goal is not to compare both. The goal is to have a diversity of both. Like if you were to have 100 how do you then allocate this amount in accordance to your risk appetite? For me, just because I'm very, very familiar and I love this game a lot, it makes a lot of sense for me to put a lot more effort in property investment. So ultimately, that's just the profile of the asset class. And the goal is to look for a portfolio of assets that matches your behavior. For me, I'm a very patient person. I can wait because I really ultimately act expect a zero capital appreciation for all my properties. Let's say my rent is all covering my installment every year, break even every year. So I'm just paying maintenance and utilities a little bit here and there. But the ultimate goal is 30 years later, all this property will be fully paid 
and fully owned by me. So when I look into their selling price now, or I look into the SPA price of today, right? Um, by 30 years later, I will confirm be a millionaire. Lah. Confirm. Lah. And that's the worst case scenario pretty certain on it. But as your income starts growing also, like I cannot be buying properties every month. Man. The bank wouldn't give me the loan. So I will just park in some shares, park in some crypto, park in some watches, park here a little bit, park a little bit there. So sooner or later, you understand more. Of course, not ask you to silang, ask you to just all in into one asset. But if you compare again, to back to the question, right? REITs versus property. REITs is closer to stocks than to real estate. Because real estate, this is also a point that a lot of people don't highlight enough. Real estate is more of an extrovert investment quality. Like, we need to speak to a lot of people, deal with a lot of people. For example, agents, once you get a property, you need to deal with management, you need to deal with contractors, you need to deal with tenants, deal with officers, government officers, this officer, that officer, a lot of things to be done, a lot of people to speak to. But if you don't like all this, then this might not be for you and it's absolutely fine. There are just a lot of other asset classes in the world for you to choose from. The thing about Malaysia REITs is still very strict in governance. It's not as interesting. If you look into Singapore REITs, right? Whoa, their performance is off the charts. The returns are way better and it's way more dynamic because of their real estate profile. Ours is still like... Hmm. So based on experience, when you invest into REITs, right, it's going to be, it's a very, very boring game. Lah. Very, very boring. Man. So you don't really need to read a lot about REITs because nothing much is going to happen. All of their returns is still based on tenancy agreements. Then the last thing, uh, this is where I really felt the kanjongness from you. Lah. I am feeling a bit behind given that I'm 26 and now only going to work and invest from now onwards. Any extra advice or words of wisdom? Don't compare, bro. There's no need to compare to anyone else. By you getting married at 28, does it make you more successful? No. By you being a millionaire at 30, does it make you more happier? Maybe. I don't know. But there will be a definite amount of sacrifice required before everyone reaches success. How I look at life is uh, it's like, uh, well, I'm a big fan of MBA, four quarters. So now maybe at quarter one, you are behind people a little bit. But when's the cutoff point for us to start measuring success? I think that's a big debate actually. Like a lot of people start measuring, oh, he's 35, he has this, he has that, he has whatever. But what's the point of measuring at 35? Isn't 65 or 75 the ultimate goal? Like now 35, because of the wealth, he might sway the entire principal and his behavior. So now he keeps partying at 45 or 55 later, then he has poor health. He needs to be in a wheelchair for failed kidney. He has broken relationships because of all the money. And for a guy who reaches success at 55, he built all the foundation to things in a very solid manner. All relationships are still around when he's 75. So in his sick bed, he will have all his loved one next to him. Isn't that more successful? So my suggestion for you is this don't have to compare to other people especially in the investment game and within the social media world people only post things that they want you to see there are a lot of pains a lot of insecurities that people will also feel just that it's not cool to let people know ma. so i think you just have patience in yourself you're 26 my suggestion is to put your head down 
focus on your craft be obsessed with your craft and that's where value is created people want you for your craft want you for your expertise that's where income starts coming in that's where you start building wealth then you start building secondary income investment income so you don't have to really sell your time for money anymore you only do things whenever you like it and that's the goal we don't have to really follow the standard format of success dictated by society and means get married have kids drive big car have big house who said all this i think these rules were set when humans live to 60 lah Right? But now all of us are going to live under 100 and you are in the medical field. Looking at how the technology in medical field advances, right? I'm very confident all of us will live to 100. So you're only quarter one of a lifetime. Chill, bro. And this is not the peak. This shouldn't be the peak. I believe our earning abilities peak should be around 40. 38 to 40-ish. That would be like the peak of money-making ability. When your body is strong, mind is strong, you are matured, you know exactly what you're doing. Now just keep learning, just put your head down and be patient. The future that we want 10 years later starts from the action of today. So now I want in 10 years time, I want to have this, I want to have this, I want to have this. So today I need to put in the work. Right? I start exercising, I start taking good care of my health, be obsessed with my work, start investing, start saving, build relationship with people that I like. Because another way of thinking will be, you at 26, starting to go into a housemanship is already a dream of someone else. Why do we need to compare someone else when we are already living someone else's dream? Our life is a version that people could only dream of. So that's a principle that I really carry throughout my my entire journey of life where I'm just very grateful for everything. And by 26, right, let's say you work hard for the next 10 years at 36, right, only you start investing in property. It's also not too late. When your income is 10, 15,000, 20,000 later, right? We can start later, no problem, one, ma. Malaysia still got a lot of land, no worries, right? And I guess that's all. Thank you very much. All the best, bro. All the best. I look forward in your journey. I, and I can't wait, like maybe next time, five years when I go do a body checkup, I see you in the hospital. Don't know why, man, this kind of thing. And this happens several times already. So in conclusion, don't get too worked up on yourself. We're already living somebody else's dream. Be grateful, have patience, have great work ethics. Put in the work, then the return will come. And have patience until you start making real money, like 7,000, 8,000 per month. Then only we start diversifying wealth by looking into investment properties. Meanwhile, for every paycheck, learn how to save, learn how to invest in small amount with the intention of learning. Right? I buy this to learn or it's like that one I buy this to learn or but instead I should also invest in networks I will buy somebody a meal in exchange for his thought process for in exchange for his wisdom for somebody who I look forward to maybe that surgeon is somebody I look up to can I buy him something or can I build that connection use this amount instead that that's also part of investment Probably is a wealth diversification tool not money making tool right but the criteria to start playing this game will be active income and money and i guess that's all for this episode thank you very much for your email arvin and for those who are still watching if you guys have any questions do email me at t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g at gmail.com or you can just dm me on instagram i-h-e-r-n-g and i'll see you guys on the next one ciao